Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we have a very special guest with us who brings both professional expertise and personal experience to our conversation. So joining us is Dr. Christina Castangini. So welcome to the show doctor. Oh, thanks for having me. This is exciting. Great, great. So, Doctor Krishna, like before we start delving deep into our conversation, I would love to mention this to all of our listeners that uh, Doctor Krishna is a licensed psychologist and a certified eating disorder specialist with an impressive twenty-five years of clinical experience. So, uh, like she is a true expert when it comes to mental health topics, eating disorders, and the body image. So. but what sets like what sets her apart is her unique perspective she's not only a professional in the field but she is also someone who has personally faced the challenges of an eating disorder and has emerged from that struggle as a fully recovered individual so today we are fortunate to have dr kasangni here to share her insights knowledge and her deeply personal journey with us so this conversation promises to offer both the professional expertise and a first hand account of the complexities of eating disorders and the mental health so we'll delve into the topics such as myths surrounding the uh, eating disorders the impact of social media on a self esteem and many more definitely so uh, let's dive deep into this conversation without further ado and welcome again kristina to healthy mind and healthy life well thank you for that intro i hope i can do it justice after that all the, <laughs> everything you said so and the lots of topics to get into so um yeah yeah so um uh, like kristina like if you can i mean you bring both the professional expertise and personal experience into this conversation so uh, like can you share a bit about your personal journey with an eating disorder and your path to the recovery sure i mean it's a long story so i have my own podcast too and um so part of that was the first 5 episodes was me talking about my journey so it's it's not something that you know you can sustain 30 seconds or less but basically um you know i i had a host of different things going on with my body growing up um i was born with some birth defects and um from a very young age i was i'm in california so i was at um some of my first memories were being a child being photographed by lots of doctors in white coats at UCSF and so i was very 
self-conscious about my body and being told messages like something's wrong with it. So that's why you're going to the doctors. And, um, you know, basically the message was I'm deformed. Um, and with that, every time we would go into San Francisco, my mom would bring me, you know, to go get a cookie or something. So like there was that association with, oh, I get a treat, you know? Um, and that was the part I looked forward to because the other part was scary, right? Having all these doctors look at you. Um, so, I mean, of course, as a child, I wasn't thinking I'm having this relationship with my body and food, but looking back, I kind of realized it all kind of started then. Um, fast forward to I'm 11. Um, my aunt asked me to be in her wedding and she wanted a strapless dress. And part of what was deformed in my body was my shoulder. I have a large Italian family. So the thought of me walking down the aisle with all these eyeballs on me with a strapless dress was mortifying. Um, so I was also going through puberty at the time, right? So that's a typical time for girls when they start having lots of body image issues, their body's shifting and changing, feels really out of control. So it was like the perfect storm for me to just be going through a lot. Um, there was an experimental, uh, surgery that I was, I think the first person to go through, uh, to have a shoulder reconstruction, um, the option was there. And so I took it. I thought, okay, great. I can have my shoulder look perfect for the wedding, being in this dress. So I actually, probably not the best idea socially, but I got out of sixth grade for half of it to do this. It was a very lengthy surgery. Um, there was two of them. Uh, and at the same time, again, the perfect storm, my family had moved to a different city. So I was going into a school ha halfway through the year without knowing anybody. After this big surgery, feeling awkward in my body, the surgery did not work. Mm. So it was just awful. Um, and, you know, very much feeling out of control. I decided I'm going to try to take control of my body. And at the time in the States, we didn't have social media, right? I'm old. <laughs> we had yeah. magazines and commercials. Um, and I saw an ad for Slim Fast. And I thought, hey, I want to look like the girls in the magazine. So... I snuck down to the store and got some vest. And that was kind of the start for me of everything. Uh, I felt really good getting the compliments like, oh, you look great. You know, like I lost a few pounds and I hear this a lot from my patients too. It was like that first time you hear a compliment, it like feels amazing. And you just like this rush, right? Um, and I mean, I can look back at that time and be like, that kind of started everything. And inevitably what happens is you slim fast you can't stand it forever you go back to eating normal food you gain the weight back go back on the slim fast it was this yo-yo back and forth and just throughout the years it was trying to play tricks like okay i don't want to diet maybe i'll exercise go exercise for for a minute okay maybe mm. i'll diet and exercise that's exhausting i really want to eat well how do i get rid of the food maybe i'll throw up maybe i'll use laxatives i mean it was everything um I mean, I could talk at length of all of the insane, crazy things I did over the years. Um, very, very unhealthy and dangerous things I did. Um, I just thought I was a bad dieter, to be honest, because they weren't yeah. talking about eating disorders back when I was going through this. So mm -hmm. I just thought I was a failure. I thought I'm doing something wrong. I just have to have more willpower. I have to figure it out. I need to count more calories better. I need to exercise more, right? So um, I, I wish they would have. Somebody like you having a podcast with somebody on talking about it. I wish 
there was more discussion about it, more knowledge. Uh, we're so far ahead now compared to where it was back then. So that, that's that's really great. That's really great. So, uh, like as you mentioned about social media, so social media plays a significant role in shaping like body image and uh, the self esteem. So, mm -hmm. um, what are some of the ways in which social media can impact the individuals both positively? and negatively as well. So in terms of uh, their self-image and the body perception. Well, I'll talk about the negative. <laughs> I think there's more about that right now. Um, so people are on social media, right? And when you're bombarded, the diet and beauty industry is like $72 billion in profits, right? And they are the ones driving most of the images that we see. And when we see something, that's what we believe is real and attainable. And the images aren't. Let's just be honest. What we know is a lot of well, the majority of the images are altered. They're photoshopped. They're filtered. Even people, regular people that we know, they have the altering apps, the filters, the, all of this, right? So what people are seeing, they believe are real images, attainable images, and they're not. And even when people filter and alter their own images, when they see themselves enough in their own post, they start to think, oh, I can look like that. Quote unquote, should look like that. So when they look in the mirror and they don't see that same image, then they, I mean, we know people are going to plastic surgeons saying, make me look like this filtered image of myself, this altered image of myself. And plastic surgeons saying, I can't do that. That's impossible. But people are really believing, I, I want to look like that. I, I will be happy if I look like that. I like myself looking like that. Or if they see other images of supermodels or other people, influencers, if you will. Well, if they can look like that, it's possible, it's attainable. And they see it enough and they think that's the ideal body image. That's what everybody should look like. The toxic diet culture message is you only have value and worth and you're quote unquote healthy if you look like that. And if you don't, then you don't. Wow, that's so lovely. So um, diets and restrictive eating plans are uh, pervasive in our culture. So, mm -hmm. I mean, why do diets tend to be ineffective in the long term? And also, like, uh, what kind of harm can they do to a person's relationship with the food and their body? Well, there's so many things. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you really think about it, like food, so when you're a baby, right? Babies cry because they don't have language they cry because they're so in tune with their body they know mm. what they need they need to survive so sure. when they're hungry they feel it and they're screaming feed me right and when they are no longer hungry they stop and if you try to overfeed a baby they will push away they'll push their mouth away they will even put their hand up and if adults try to overfeed them they'll you know they spit up they just they won't and we are born that way we're born born so intuitive in knowing what we need to eat and we have this mammalian brain, like just like animals out in the wild, right? They know what they need to survive. They don't overindulge, right? They eat what they need to eat to survive. Now, yeah. we're different as humans. Like we eat food for all sorts of reasons, right? Not just for you know, fuel and nutrition, right? Which is fine. Like food has other purposes. We have social events, traditions, holidays, birthdays, whatever. Um, but what happens is if you hear people say, oh, I was so good or I was so bad, or I feel bad, or I feel good. Because now there's this emotional connection to food, right? And if you look at what diets 
what are on diets. There's this quote unquote good food, quote unquote healthy food list on the diets, what you're supposed to eat. And then there's the quote unquote bad foods, unhealthy foods, restricted foods that are not on the diet. And yeah. so if people eat those foods, they feel bad. They feel guilty. Now there's that emotional connection. I ate the bad food. I'm bad. I ate the unhealthy food. I'm unhealthy. And really what it is, is they're saying, that's the food that I feel scared. I'm going to gain weight because that's what the diet sets up. The unhealthy, bad weight gain foods, the restrictive foods. I can't have those. It sets up this dichotomy of good food, bad food. I'm good. I'm bad. And it becomes this moralistic thing. And then if you think about it, look at all the diets over time, hmm. they change. If there was one diet that really quote unquote worked, wouldn't there just be one diet that everybody follows and then you'd stay on it forever? It would have been much more better than... But there's not because they're not sustainable for, for a number of reasons. One, they are very, they're not providing enough fuel and nutrition for us to survive. They're very restrictive. And so the body can't actually sustain that. And so the mammalian brain, the survival brain takes over and we need, I mean, it takes over and we actually end up overeating. And when we overeat, we're not overeating the diet because what are we going for? The foods that we have been restricted from, the foods we really want, because we end up thinking about the foods that we have been restricted from. We end up overthinking in our minds about the Oreos, the this, the that, whatever, whatever has been labeled as good or bad. Mm. And so when people go off their diets, it's like they say, oh, the dam broke. I had the cookie. Now I'm never going to get it again. I might as well go crazy and have it all at once. Then I'll be quote unquote good again. I'll get back on track tomorrow. Right. True. And it just sets up this restriction binge phase or people have these cheat days and then I'm good today. I'm bad today. It doesn't make any sense. Thank you. True. That's true. So like uh, both uh, the body positivity and the self-acceptance movements have gained momentum in the recent years. So how do these movements contribute to changing the societal attitudes towards the body image and uh, eating disorders? What do you think? Well, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, people are talking more. I think yeah. there's this... I mean, people have normal bodies. <laughs> I think it's just kind of calling reality out. Like nobody exactly. looks like these filtered images, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, just, but this, I think there's a fed upness of like, mm-hmm. this is my take on it too. Nobody's really talking about the fact that people are in much small, people trying to get into much smaller bodies than they're actually biologically meant to be in are very unhealthy, right? Because the idea that, oh, you're quote unquote healthy, you're in such great shape. If you're in this smaller body is we need to really question that, right? What we know is the BMI, which is, I'm sure they use this all over, right? The BMI is the standard for health, the body size, weight, height, ratio. And people have been told if they're in a higher BMI category in a larger body, they're unhealthy. Well, we know that's not true. Actually, you look at the studies, people in higher BMI categories tend to live longer, right? So this debunks all that, right? So people trying to get into smaller bodies that they're meant, not meant to be in, means they're probably doing very unhealthy things. They're malnourished, prone to like osteoporosis, heart attacks, strokes, all sorts of things. They're not giving their bodies enough fuel. And you can 
how do you exist like that if you're not nourished enough? And so they were saying, yeah, I want to actually feel my body. I want to give it the nutrition it needs. Like what's so wrong with that? So be it if I'm in a body that is, it's like health at every size, you can be healthy at any sized body. This is not about being a smaller body. And that means like you're healthier. It's embracing that. Like there's beautiful people at all sizes. Why are we shaming people for whatever size they're in? Exactly true. That's true. So um, that's good. That's, that's thanks for sharing this. So uh, like also recognizing the unhealthy exercise habits can be challenging. So what are some of the signs that uh, someone may be engaging in exercise that is detrimental to their mental and the physical health? Um, so how do you think they they can shift to a healthier approach to fitness? Well, first, I just like to call out, like, I don't know who tied exercise and movement with eating. Okay. <laughs> separate things, right? Yeah. If you think about it. But Yes, that has happened somewhere along the way where people say like, exercise more and eat less. Let's like separate them out for just a second. They're not connected. Mm. Because that actually sets up a horrible mentality, which is like bulimia, right? People will eat and then do a compensatory behavior. People think compensation and bulimia is self-induced vomiting. But oftentimes people will eat and then compensatory behavior is exercise and burning off the calories. So instead of throwing up, they're exercising, over-exercising, so they'll earn their food. Okay, I ate at this, now I got to go burn it off. and Or they'll earn their food. I don't allow myself to eat unless I exercise. This sets up a horrible dynamic. So if you're doing that, that that's an unhealthy relationship with exercise. Saying I'm not going to allow myself to eat or what I eat for the day is determined by how much I exercised or if I exercised. Or if you feel guilty for eating something because you did not exercise today. If you have that kind of mentality where it's tied, right. that's a problem. That's crossing the line. True. Um, I often hear people say, I won't go on vacation unless I know the hotel I'm at has a gym. Well, that does not sound like a great vacation if you're ruling it around, if you can work out at the hotel, right? Yeah. Um, you know, or, you know, people will decrease the amount of sleep they get. They will actually skimp on sleep to make sure that they fit their workout on early in the morning, or they'll skip class or work or social events to make sure they fit the gym in. So the gym becomes the priority over socialization and, and like everything else in their life. So they're missing out on things. Um, and just this overall, just the emotions are tied to it, like beating themselves up. I feel guilty. Just, you know, if it just becomes this all consuming thing, then there's a really um, big question you need to ask yourself, like what, what's happening here? Because the exercise is supposed to make your life better and like be a positive thing, not this negative thing. Got it. Got it. Mm -hmm. That's great. So um, also like if someone suspects that they or their loved ones is struggling with an eating disorder. So what do you say? Like what steps should they take to seek help and support? Well, if someone thinks they're struggling, um, I would, you know, first of all, I would seek the help or maybe get a therapist who's certified in eating disorders to talk to and see, hey, I think this is going on. I need an assessment. Um, because my sense is if you think something's going on, probably is, right? A lot of times it's confusing. Like I said, I thought I was just dieting poorly or I was failing and 
you know, if you're constantly in this struggle where you're feeling like, I'm just not getting it. I just need somebody to tell me how to eat or you're thinking about food and your body and exercise like 80, 90% of your day. And it's revolved. Your whole life revolves around this, like something's off. Um, If you're a loved one and you think somebody's struggling with this, you gotta be, you gotta tread lightly because oftentimes it's such a shameful personal thing that somebody's going through. Um, It's embarrassing. People don't want to talk about it. So you might get a lot of defensiveness. You might get some anger targeted towards you. People don't want to talk about it. Um, And so you might just want to say, hey, maybe not even bring up the eating disorder or any of that. Definitely don't bring up weight. Um, I would just say, hey, you know, if you ever want to talk about anything, if anything's going on, I'm here, you know, let me know. Exactly. That's great. So like recovery from an eating disorder can be a lifelong journey. So what advice do you have for the individuals who may be on this path or for their loved ones who want to support them? Well, I do want to clear something up. I think there's this myth out there that once you have an eating disorder, you're always going to have it. And that's not true. And I think that's a powerful message to to buy into of thinking, oh, gosh, I'm always going to have this because that can deter you from actually achieving recovery. It's like what you tell yourself, your brain listens to. Um, That's another reason I, you know, I do this work, too, is to say, yes, you can recover. Um, You can achieve full recovery. You can live a life where all of this thoughts and these behaviors are behind you and you can have a relationship with food where it's not like this. Um, So. First of all, I just want to encourage people of that. So like, this doesn't have to be your lifelong struggle, right? That alone. Um, and the first step of asking for help is your first step. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie and say, oh, this is like a piece of cake. Depends how long you've been doing it. It depends on a lot of different factors, but you can absolutely get the help you need. There's a lot of great providers out there. We are light years ahead of, like I said, where I I was at. There's nutritionists, there's treatment centers, there's eating disorder specialists. There's just so much more information and help out there now. That's great. Lovely. So uh, like before we wrap up, what message or hope of encouragement would you like to share with your listeners, especially those who may be dealing with the eating disorders or the body image issues? Okay, I'm going to put this. If you are getting, okay, social media, if you're on social media, like everybody is, um, there's an algorithm. If the more you're looking at influencers or things about diets, things like that, you're going to keep getting fed things that are like that. So your worldview is going to be all those things, like what I eat in a day or this or that. And so that's going to be what you think is reality. I want to encourage all of you to stop following those kinds of influencers, those kinds of posts, those kinds of articles, and start following body positivity influencers. I want you to start following um, eating disorder specialists. I want you to start following other types of influencers um, because then that will become your algorithm and that will become more your worldview. And it, that's a much healthier message. Anti-diet, health at every size get your worldview to be in a much healthier place away from the toxic diet culture, because that is going to shift things significantly. Correct. Great. So, and that concludes another enlightening episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. And I want to extend my heartfelt gratitude to our exceptional guest, Dr. Christina Kastankini for joining us today. 
and also dr kasangani your insights into eating disorders body image and the power of recovery have been truly invaluable so your uh, dual perspective as both professional and a survivor has added depth and authenticity to our discussion so uh so for the listeners i would love to mention that i hope this conversation uh has shed light on the complexities of eating disorders and the importance of embracing one's body and the self image so always remember that there is a hope help and support available for those who may be facing these challenges so if you have found this episode thought provoking or believe it could benefit someone you know please share it widely and our goal is to provide information and inspiration to as many people as possible so we'll be back soon with more engaging conversations expert insights and inspiring guests as well so until then continue to prioritize your mental and emotional well-being and remember that you are not alone on your journey to a healthier mind and a happier life so thank you so much